Given recent events regarding the genocide of Rohingya Myanmar, it's perhaps not controversial to note the South Asian nation has a complex and torturous relationship with minority groups within its borders. This, unfortunately, is not a particularly new state of being for Myanmar, a nation of incredible ethnic diversity situated between modern Bangladesh, India, China, Laos, and Thailand. The country has been stricken by continual civil war for much of its modern existence, a product of the development of Burmese ethno-nationalism and military control over the nation. In this short podcast, I will lead you through the origins of the conflict between the Burmese government and one of the nation's ethnic minorities, the Karen. I hope that an understanding this history will lend some greater insight into the pattern of violence the people of Myanmar have experienced over the last 60 years. Let's get some background first. What is now the nation of Myanmar was conquered by the British Empire over the course of the 19th century in a series of successive wars with the Burmese Kongbang dynasty. Here, it was annexed to the British India and subject to colonial rule. It gained independence in 1948 in the wake of the devastation wrought by the Second World War and three years of Japanese occupation. Though free of foreign rule, the nation's fate was far from ideal. Immediately upon independence, a multi-sided civil war broke out as political and ethnic minority factions revolted over opposition to and grievances with the ruling coalition, the anti-fascist People's Freedom League. Today, the AFPFL are gone, but military rule remained until recent elections led to the current fledgling democracy. Most of the conflicts that ignited after independence are still underway, more than 60 years later. In the case of the Karen, negotiated ceasefires have in recent years reduced the intensity of the conflict in certain regions, but the long-term fate of the nation remains unclear. Who then are the Karen? This is a more complex question than it might appear on the surface. The people identified as the Karen are a collection of related ethnic groups, primarily living in the south and west of Myanmar. They have no single language, religion, history, or culture. Some live in the rice-growing wetlands of the Irrawaddy Delta, while others in the rugged highlands along the Thai border. The modern conception of a Karen people comes from the era of British colonial rule. Under the old kingdoms, society was not divided upon ethnic lines, but rather on a series of vertical patron-client relationships, stretching from a nominally universal monarch to often an entirely autonomous local village. The British colonial rule, however, was characterized by an enormous expansion of central authority and the categorization of peoples into new racial classifications, a process of great difficulty. Anthropologist James C. Scott puts it this way, Again and again, one encounters the frustration of taking the inventory of peoples, but, to their dismay, confronting an apparent mess. It was clear enough that there were Kachin and Karen and Chin. What was not clear was where one began and another ended, and whether they had been Kachin, Karen and Chin in the previous generation, or whether they would remain so in the next. From this colonial bookkeeping, we see the crystallization of Karen as a minority group, among other minority groups, and importantly, as distinct from the majority Bama. The Bama, for reference, form the largest and most dominant ethnic group in the nation, and from whom both the names Myanmar and Burma derive. The divisions that were laid down by British classification would come to be powerful structures under their rule. They would be internalized by the subject people that they described. Ethnic nationalisms would develop, and a new, Western-educated middle class would increasingly identify themselves as belonging to these groupings. Whether they were once inhabitants of a certain village, or members of a social ranking, they were now Bama, Kachin, Shan, Arakanese, Mon, and Karen. British colonial rule came to rely on these definitions. Bama, who dominated the old kingdoms, were distrusted and characterized as lazy and backward. 
British policy tended to favour minority groups and immigrant communities. The rugged edges of the colony, home to many minorities, were given autonomy under a policy of indirect rule. Roles in the colonial military and police were reserved for non-Bama, while Indian and Chinese communities acted as economic middlemen for the British. Crown identity would be greatly shaped by the colonial period. Protestant missionaries would find relative success among the Karen compared to their Bama neighbours, particularly in the lowlands, further creating distinctions between the ethnic groups. At the same time, Bama ethno-nationalism would become a powerful force in the colonial population. This was forged by the drawing together of Burmese royal history, Buddhism, and Western imported ideas such as socialism and national self-determination. Through organisations such as the Young Men Buddhists Association and the We Burmans Association, the DAA, these ideas would develop and spread. From this, the Burmese nationalist movement gathered steam, their goals increasingly less accommodating to colonial rule. The members of the DAA, who called themselves Takin, Master, made it clear whom they believed were the rightful rulers of Myanmar. It would not be the British. The catalyst for these gathering tensions was the Japanese invasion of 1942. In their imperial expansions into Southeast Asia, Japanese rhetoric typically denounced European colonial rule, portraying themselves as liberators of oppressed people. This Asia for the Asians conception was quite alluring for many Burmese nationalists, who saw in the Japanese a possible ally and a chance to rid themselves of the British. Thus, when the Japanese army invaded Myanmar to support their war in China, they had already garnered support of many nationalist leaders, particularly that of the influential Takin, Aung San. In the year of the invasion, the Japanese provided assistance and training in the formation of a Burma independence army under Aung San. With the aid of the BIA, the British were driven from most of the colony in a matter of months. During the chaos of the invasion, Sambama took the opportunity to attack minority groups, including the Karen, over British patronage in the colonial period. Karen communities would retaliate, and some would aid British guerrilla forces operating in the colony. The Japanese local command was remarkably inconsistent in their policy towards minority groups. Sometimes they would engage in their own punitive violence, while also engaging in programs to win them over. Nominally, Burma would be declared an independent state, with the Independence Army becoming the Burma National Army. However, it was not long before the Burmese nationalists would become disillusioned with the Japanese forces, as their allies acted more like an occupying army, and abuses against Burmese civilians were common. Many came to the conclusion that the Japanese had little intention of really allowing an independent Myanmar. As a result, the leaders of the BNA and provisional government would enter into secret discussions with the Allied High Command in India. What resulted was the formation of the Anti-Fascist People's Freedom League, a coalition of Burmese nationalists, socialists, and communists under the leadership of Aung San. Thus, when the Allied counterattack began in late 1944, the AFPFL and the BNA were ready to assist, and the Japanese were driven from Myanmar. Though the Japanese invasion was relatively brief and ultimately defeated, most of the pieces for the coming independence and civil war were set up during this conflict. However, for a short period following the return of the British, independence was not a readily foreseeable outcome. The AFPFL were initially at a disadvantage in negotiating with the Allies. Allied forces in India and southwest China had been reorganising and re-equipping for several years, and were quite capable of removing the Japanese without AFPFL assistance. This, combined with the stain of collaboration, meant that the BNA were disarmed, and no assurances were given regarding post-war governance of the colony. The British initially had no intentions of quickly bowing out of Myanmar. 
the rich natural resources of the country, were desired in, to aid in repairing the massive economic and financial damage the empire had sustained during the war. The political realities in Myanmar and the broader empire would soon change this. The infrastructure of the colony had been leveled during the war, and a population weary of foreign rule meant that the colony was nearly ungovernable. Additionally, independence developments in India removed much of the British desire and ability to be engaged with the region. As a result, elections for constituent assembly were held and won overwhelmingly by the AFPFL, followed shortly after by independence. Here, we should pay close attention as independence drew near. Many minority members were concerned at the future of a nation dominated by the Bama once again. Some Karen groups, particularly in the Christian areas, organised themselves into the Karen National Union in 1947. The Union also had an armed wing, which would later develop into the modern Karen National Liberation Army. Aung San sought to gain the support of minority members like the KNU for a united Myanmar. At the Panglong Conference, he succeeded in reaching agreement with, from, with several Kachin, Shan, and Chin leaders. The agreement's conditions generally accepted the autonomy of minority regions within the new Union of Burma, noting, The Governor's Executive Council will not operate in respect to the frontier regions in any manner which would deprive any portion of these areas of the autonomy which it now enjoys in internal administration. Full autonomy in internal administration for the frontier regions is accepted, in principle. The Karen National Union, however, only sent advisers to this conference, and many other groups, such as the Arakanese and the Mon, had no representatives at all. Regardless, this was sufficient to convince the British that the AFPL not only had the support of the majority of Bama, but also the ability to compromise with the minority population. The dark irony of these agreements is that while many regions of Myanmar would have autonomy from federal powers over the next 60 years, it certainly wasn't in agreement with the central Burmese government. Aung San's faithful assassination in July 1947 would not stop the process already underway. The cracks were already very deep by the time the nation's formal independence was declared, on the 4th of June 1948. Internal rifts in the AFPFL led to the communist factions being expelled and driven underground, while the conservative wing entered into opposition. The new Burmese military, the Tatmadaw, was heavily divided. On one side, the Korean officers from the British Burmese Army, and another, the Bama officers from the Burmese National Army. Other elements of the BNA had formed a paramilitary group under the personal command of Aung San. This People's Volunteer Organization had not been included into the Tatmadaw. Now, leaderless, this group was resentful it had been excluded from the new power structure of Myanmar. And of course, there was the Korean National Union, who concerned the new constitution's protection of minority land was far too ambiguous. I think you can see how this otherwise triumphant moment was overshadowed by the looming threat of civil conflict. The violence that would follow would transform the newly independent nation into the Myanmar that exists today. Perhaps historians Michael and Maptri Ong Thung put it best. At the heart of this rebellion lay fundamental differences about the shape, form of governance, and content that the new Burma was to take. In its very first year of existence, the young Burmese government nearly collapsed. Thus, under the anarchic conditions of the post-Second World War, the most able, that is, the strongest of these groups, rose to the occasion to dominate the scene and to save the Union from disintegration. And that was the army. That conflict is far too complex and long-running to give justice to in this podcast. But I hope you can take away some element of understanding from the history of division I've highlighted here between the Karen and the Bama. That the legacy of colonial categorization would create the ethnic divisions in modern Myanmar. 
that the divisions were internalized by the people of Myanmar and informed the sort of ethno-nationalism that came to define identity there. The violence that would be committed after independence and continued to this very day would take justification from this ethno-nationalism.